three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Stephen Sanseri, S-A-N-S-E-R-I. He wrote a book in 2012 titled "The or titled Ultimate Prey, the true story behind the Yosemite sightseer murders. So it's going to be kind of a dark subject. Involved a uh, series of deaths that took place um, in 1999. And uh, pretty graphic and, and grim stuff took place. But uh, Steve wrote a book about that this true crime event and was really right there in the mix of all these uh, very curious and some very dark characters. He's going to talk more about that. So, Steve, can you talk a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in the the story of the Yosemite Sightseer murders? Sure. No, thank you for having me on, by the way. Sure. Thank you. Um, I was a bail bondsman, and I had offices up in Calaveras County, San Francisco, San Mateo County, and uh, a few agents, and um, we posted bonds throughout the, Mar- you know, Mother Love, Mariposa, Tuolumne, Jackson, and um, I got a phone call to bail a guy out named Paul Candler, and um, uh, we normally don't get, like, criminal history and such, but I was kind of warned this guy's kind of a screwball, and that kind of thing, so we bailed him out, that was a $23,000 bond, and, um, um, just right off the bat, I knew the guy, just something about him. And, you know, his criminal history, I found out later, was um, involved in um, pedophilia, some pretty serious stuff. He's done state time. He's a drug drug dealer and such. So, anyway, uh, fast forward in November of ni- that was 98, I bailed him. November 99, he skipped bond. And it was right um, right around the Yosemite uh, uh, murders. Uh, the sightseers were missing. And, um, you know, just hit the papers. It was close to home. I'm in Calaveras County, and this is over in Mariposa County, so Tuolumne's in between, and I've posted bonds in Mariposa County. And um, I start chasing this guy, Candler, and I'm finding out uh, things that are, that are tying him into these uh, missing women. And um, I can't find this guy. Next thing I know, he's in Alabama. And that's when they found uh, the victim's bodies and uh, Mrs. Um, son, Carol Sun and Sylvia Flosa were in the trunk in Tuolumne County, and Julie's body was uh, located uh, deceased on Lake Don Pedro in Tuolumne County. Well, Paul Candler lived a quarter mile by boat to where they found Julie's body. And I thought, this guy is involved, this is his criminal history, the whole, I mean, the whole nine yards. So I wrote a report to the uh, FBI task force in Sonora, and, and they, you know, the searching was going on, and they, they recovered the bodies and such, but it was, it was a big, big deal. And um, the 18-page 18, report was never answered. Uh, so I went to the Carrington's attorney, um, Mr. Angel, and um, I got a phone call from Mr. Carrington, so I actually started uh, looking into, into the other suspects. Right, just to I interrupt. Sorry, sorry, just to interrupt. So Carrington was the father of Carol Sund, whose daughter and her friend Sylvina Peloso disappeared from Setter Lodge outside of Yosemite. So it's kind of a bigger hotel. And so right. you are connected to them through their attorney, at least initially, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. Mr. Carrington, he was, the, he was the father of the victims, yes. Gotcha. So please continue, sir. Oh, so anyway, um, I ended up meeting with the Carringtons, and they gave me some names that they, they'd received from the FBI. Just, um, you know, usual suspects and such. It's very, very convoluted investigation. I mean, I give a lot of kudos to the FBI on this. I mean, I, I've dealt with these guys even more so than the FBI has, because being a bail bondsman and, and the mother of you're dealing with all sorts of, you know, drug 
drug addicts and the dopers, tweakers, and you know the whole nine yards. Right. And it's a wild west up there, like we spoke about earlier. Right. Um, but I also befriended a lot of them. You know, you know, you can't do business with these people unless you you, you got to show them some respect. You know, the, you know the game. So um, I had a lot of eyes and ears up there. What was going on? So when all this stuff was going down, I I knew I had people that would give me the people that may do something for the case. Gotcha. And that whole area is just like. I mean, it's a beautiful area, but like we talked earlier, there's just a whole bunch of, like, you have the Modesco Cranksters you talked about, a lot of methamphetamines, and, you know, that was like the area where, uh, I think it was Robert Eng and Leonard Lake had their own, they were abducting people and murdering them, making snuff flips and stuff, that was in Calaveras County, so there is a kind of, and I, I lived up there in 1989, and there's a lot of sketchy stuff happening right around that area, man, in Yosemite, Stuff like that. Yeah, you really had to kind of be on your toes just to kind of watch out this. This uh, there's definitely an underbelly of of threat. I would say. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh well. Here's what I, after we spoke just earlier today, I went ahead and made a very very short list. If you want to hear it about the large incidents in Calaveras County in the last thirty years. Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, Charles Ng, Leonard Lake, 1981, 20, 25 victims. Of course, Leonard Lake took the uh, cyanide pill. And then Charles Ng, I spoke with Sheriff Nuttall uh, when they were extraditing Ng, uh, just before they, he was going to extradite Ng from Canada. Oh, because, you know, they don't agree with capital punishment. So they, they, you know, he was in exile up there for 20 years. Right. So I was out, out, on the, out on the lake fishing in Lamoni. I saw Sheriff Nuttall, and somebody can do it, and he goes, I'm going to drop him out of the plane at 30,000 feet. They, they wanted this guy so bad. You know, these crime scenes, there was, uh, you know, babies in the microwaves for their mothers. I mean, it was just, you can't imagine this. And um, they were they were good for 25 murders, and then you came to the uh, you know, the, the um, speed freak killers, Sherman, Tyne, and Herzog, you know, and they were they were running around in the mid, the, you know, lower 80s, all the way to 99, 20 years, and they they have you know they, they convicted them for four murders a few years ago, but they they believe the body count of Sherman, Tyne, and Herzog, by the way, also Willsieville, Charles Ng Willsieville area. Um, Sherman Time heard about 72 bodies. They, they wow, that's incredible. And then, you, and then you come again to Calaveras County, which people, this didn't get much press here, Bill, but uh, the seven bodies they found underneath the uh, Paris Ferry Bridge in Calaveras, Palmyra County in 2002. Uh, it was a Russian mob thing. Now, it, you know, they killed him in L.A. Why'd they bring him to Calaveras County? Sanctuary, Bill. A lot of, you know, a lot of cover-ups. Right. Um, and then you, you, then you roll into to Philip Marshall, which is not related directly to Calvert's County, but what it shows you is you're not safe anywhere in these mountains. Right. Yeah. So people who don't know Philip Marshall, he was murdered with his kids up there, you know, up there in the kind of hills in that same area where this all took place. But there's a lot. Right here, Murphy. Yeah. yeah. And there's three, a, three miles. If you want to add to that, the Golden State Killer kind of operated around that area as well, at least closer to the Central sure. Valley, right? Right, exactly. You know, and I also believe from my resources that the Zodiac Killer was actually a teacher in San Andreas at one time. Wow, I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's another one. It's just, you know, and, you know, Calaveras in, in, in Spanish means skull, right? Mm, interesting. I didn't okay. know that. Yeah. So it's very, it's a very terrifying case. Um, and this guy too, Candler, your kind of chief person uh, that you followed, was also a uh, meth user, right? So these guys do meth; they get all, they get pretty crazy too, huh? Oh yeah, you know, and and it's keeping up with them. And the paranoia is, you know, you you know, you park a surveillance 
van or something really, you know, maybe out of the ordinary for everyday purposes, but it's a junker. And they will come up there and they'll just they'll look at it like they're looking in a cage, with their eyes right in there. I mean, they notice everything, it's, you know. And so usually, you know, you end up just getting people to befriend you, you know, and stuff like that. But it's, it's you know, they, 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 they're dangerous. This is the way they think they're dangerous, you know. Right. And this guy, Candler, you, I mean, the interesting thing about this case, and a lot of people don't know about this case, is that there were other suspects other than Stainer. Most of the public just heard the Stainer story, but can you talk about some of these other characters who were um, alleged to be involved in the Yosemite Sightseer murders? Um, sure. We arrested, we arrested Candler, or apprehended Candler in Alabama, June seventh, nineteen 1999, about 5 a.m., statewide manhunt. I'll get into that later. On June 9th, Tuolumne County District Attorney Nina Dean announces they have nine suspects in custody regarding the assembly murders. Now, I mean, we're going right on, you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's you know, it is that easy, you know? Right. There's those kind of people out there, and they, they all ride each other out. I mean, and, you know, MOs and everything, I mean, just parole tales on these guys, they know what's going on. So nine people, great. And they didn't name Cam. They did not name Candler in that thing. They're trying to cover it up as books, book shows. But they named Michael Larlick, Eugene Dykes, Soldier Stewart, uh, Michael Utley, um, Billy Joe Strange. Strange. Yeah. Billy Joe Strange. You know, and they're all up there. And you know, these small areas, as you know, you know, Kerry Stainer. Yeah, he might. Have, I think he has a marijuana and maybe a light meth beef before. He is, of course, suspect in his uncle's murder. That's, that's another story. But you know he wasn't he wasn't a leader, man. Um, you know he he was he, he was you know I I I interviewed his ex girlfriend down um, by Fresno. I had about two minutes with her, but he was impotent, you know. And these guys, I, I, these guys like Candler and Larwick and Dyke, these guys are killers. Standard wasn't a killer, you know. I mean he 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 had his problems, but nothing linked. Nothing told me he did anything until it was Joey Armstrong, the, the naturalist um, that was murdered uh, in Forestra by Yosemite. When she was murdered, that she's the fourth victim. I was pretty sure that he did that himself. The other murders uh, involved Candler. Um, Candler seems to be a ringleader, according to a lot of witnesses. But what I pointed out was, as soon as they started, as soon as they located um, Carolson and Julie's, I'm sorry, Carolson and Sylvina's body up there. Uh, in Long Barn, um, these guys started running around like scared rats, and that's why Larwick uh, was um, involved in a shootout in Modesto with a motorcycle cop named Steve Silva. And Steve survived, but there was 30 rounds uh, fired between the two of them, and then Larwick commandeered a house and took a family hostage for 23 hours. Wow. Okay, yeah. and he had all the same makings and, and police record and criminal history and MO as Paul Candler. Right. And then Larwick's half-brother, who was the first one rolled up, he was a rapist, and he's a half-brother. Uh, father is um, uh, the commonality in that, and uh, he's a dirtbag. And so Eugene Dykes, he gets uh, in a police pursuit, and he takes a family a hostage in their home uh, for about 13 hours. And he right. pulls him out. Right, so all these so, guys are acting super suspicious, including Candler as well, right? So Candler runs, yeah, everybody's I trying to... Yeah, I, I, the only one I, I could get close to these guys because everybody cops are. I mean, this is this is news. I can't find in all this, all the midst of this, uh, 
uh, chaos. I can't find Candler yet. Still, I have not. You know, right. these guys. These guys are getting popped right before Candler. I find Candler. Right. You so know, and that, that, yeah. Right. So that was later. So the murders happened February fourteenth. The girl they're missing for a month. Right. The bodies are found a month later. Sure. And right. and then right when those hat bodies find, that's when Candler skips is the next day. So he skips yep. a bail hearing that hires you. And so then right. you had to go to Alabama. That, I mean, that was a fascinating story in itself because that was oh, the yeah. skit where he turned up in Alabama. You said it was like the hitman higher capital of the country or something like that, right? Yeah, you know, 2020 did a special on it years ago that um, the mob um, and the uh, mafia in New York and such would they seem to hire hitmen from, from down south. And where Alabama was uh, the pinnacle. Uh, uh, lead story on that thing uh, years ago, and I, I never really saw it, but I remember seeing part of it. And I remember that uh, it was where Alabama, and you know, and Candler, you know, he was protected. The or the hat thing they hit on him is the reason I bailed him out was because he tried to hit another, you know, kill another guy, even though he wasn't charged with that. But that was part of the deal, which I didn't know that even happened until afterwards. But um, yeah, that's where they recruit this because Candler, uh, he. He fought. He did not waive extradition from Alabama. We caught him. The FBI came in, interviewed him, and he fought extradition. So he had to get a governor's warrant, get him back to California. Guess what? A month and a half later, he got a phone call from a neighbor across the street. Now this is Alabama, kind of rolling little, like acreage, you know, green things, and you know, so your neighbor's a hundred yards away. But anyway, he calls me and says, "Cameron's back in the house." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> he was. He, they didn't even hold this guy for anything. He was back in Alabama in Warrior, Alabama. Nobody runs to Alabama, and it's a hit capital. What is going on here? Right. Yeah, he was safe there. And so there's just things like that, you know? I mean, it's like, and that's true. They finally had a pressure, I guess, in the case. He ended up doing 17 years of a hatchet for all sorts of, um, you know, pedophile-type crimes, finally. Right, and they had, like, uh, I mean, you were actually had to fight with them, right? At the first arrest in June, in June 7th, you guys were punching each other or whatever. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then how does Joey Ruth Armstrong tie into this whole story? It's interesting because you mentioned Dennis McDougal. I interviewed about his book about uh, the um, the guy who killed like a hundred young boys. But uh, you say that he uh, he writes that he didn't even believe Stanner's story. But can you talk a little bit about Stanner? Wait, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, in the context. Yeah, sorry, talk about Joey Ruth Armstrong. Sorry. Okay, um, Stanner, Stanner was the lead guy, you know, at, at the lodge, you know, the, the, um, you know, people will know, like, when they read the book and such, the women were put up, it's February, it's February, and they're put up in the, uh, fourth, uh, tier, uh, in the snow, the only ones in the whole building, and the place in that time of year is half empty or more, they could have put in, like, two tier first floor, they put them by themselves in a whole tier up there. It was a setup from the beginning. I came from the front desk, everything. That's how connected these people are. You, didn't, you don't put three women in a winter up there. And so from there, Stainer was the guy, and he had other guys with him. But when it all happened, Stainer wanted to, Stainer wanted to be famous. His brother, who was um, Stephen Stainer, who was, um, I don't know my name, I know my name is Stephen from the Mike Eccles book and the uh, television um, movie, um, when he was found with Timmy White, Terry Stainer was very jealous. Things happened. His brother got a lot of press, got a movie, book, everything. 
And Kerry really, that's what he mentioned to Ted Rollins with KTVU, was, you know, I want, I, want a, I want a TV movie. So he killed Joey Armstrong for publicity. Wow, that's crazy. It was a really brutal killing, too. And she was, oh at, my God. And she was attached to the Setter Lodge as well, right? She like kind of was in that area, um, El Portal. Yeah, she was. She was. She was in Forestville, which is right closer. It's more into the park, and uh, she had what they called um, as a green cabin, but there was a name for it. It's been used a lot of times, like famous people. It's really cool, really beautiful uh, young lady. Um, and she went out and took uh, special kids and such um, around the park, you know. And she was a uh, naturalist. Um, and what's what's interesting, uh, Bill, is about five months ago I met her aunt. Oh, fascinating. And. Yeah, she found me. I was up running a health club up in Arm for a short time, and she came in and we spoke. I had tears in my eyes, and um, they they knew there was a lot more to it. She, her aunt was really great, but she said um, she said that um, excuse me, they they had a feeling that she she told her uh, uh, mom that she had a bad feeling about it up there a little bit. Can you hold on a second? Sure, no problem. No worries. Anyway, but that um, was that was kind of a commonality of all these cases. Everybody who looked at the Stainer case thought there was a lot more to that story, primarily because how could one guy subdue three women? And and uh, I think the father of Carol's son said she was a fighter too. Like they wouldn't have just somebody point a gun; they wouldn't have just you know laid down. No, um, when I met with, when I met with the Carringtons. After um, speaking with their attorney, I went up to Eureka, and um, they said definitely she. I mean, she was a she was a fireball, and Julie was pretty you know tough and tough. She was an athlete, and a tough gal. And it's pretty tough to go in there with a gun. You know, did they comply? It, what's interesting too, the FBI didn't come out with the uh, he had a gun, quote unquote, until Mr. Um, Carrington told me that they didn't know about it for. We, I never heard about it. I said they just told me. I'm not so sure they found a gun. I mean, they need something in there. I mean, maybe that was it. I don't know. They just Other needed that, something to confirm that story, probably, to make his story matter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if he didn't have a gun, I mean, what else is going to scare them? I mean, so I think um, that I just don't, you know, there was other people involved. When I interviewed Mayor Sabatino, he uh, he identified Candler with Stainer when he was staying at the Cedar Lodge. Wow. Mr. Yeah. Mayor, Mayor Sabatino passed away a while back. A great guy, but um, Mayor Modesto. I interviewed him, and he, he he confirmed he matched Candler with Stainer at the front door. Candler never, I mean, Stainer, Stainer never went to a front door of, of any of the rooms at the Cedar Lodge by himself. He's always had somebody. All my witnesses said he was with somebody else. Right, but didn't you say also there was another woman who saw Candler with Stainer? And, I mean, Can, and Stainer was with some of these other sketchy characters as well, right? R- Rhonda Dunn, um, yes, yeah, she, uh, she and her mother had vacation. Uh, about August of 98, so a few months before February. Um, and um, she, she recognized Candler, Stainer, and Dykes following her around at different times at the Cedar Lodge. And um, Rhonda, Rhonda's a respiratory therapist out of Northwestern. She's a, she has a photographic memory, Bill. And um, I met with her three times. So um, 
her, he, she, excuse me, Rhonda and her mother left um, the Cedar Lodge the next day. And when I sent, I sent the photo lineup back to Chicago about a week later to Rhonda and her, both her and her mother picked the camera out. Wow, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and the FBI called her into Chicago uh, office and had a meeting with her for two hours. Yeah, that was interesting. Right, so the FBI is like flirting like around this case, but ne- they were more than happy to drop their uh, investigation into Lorwick and Dykes once Stainer confessed, right? Exactly. You know, and, um, you know, there's a mistake by the Stainer's defense with Marsha Morrissey, you know. I mean, she went for um, insanity, you know, and once you plead that, you can't change your plea. So, you know, not guilty would have been fine. They brought Dykes in, and he took the fifth. But the thing was is that the jury was already tainted that there's other suspects. They knew there were. You know, this thing, that thing with the trial, he, 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 with a good investigation, he might have walked on three of, three of those murders. Fascinating, you know. and other people would have been in, uh, been involved. Oh God, yeah, that's the whole thing. Um, this guy Larry, uh, Larry Utley, they pulled him out of they pulled him out of Modesto when they started doing these parole sweeps. So after they got Dykes, Larwick, Stewart, uh, Billy Joe Strange, they went after Michael Utley, and Michael Utley is a very close uh, friend of Michael Larwick, Mick Larwick. So Mick Larwick seems to be the leader of the whole thing. Gotcha. And Candler, but down in the valley, Larwood for sure. And uh, they found um, uh, the hotel key to the room on Mick Larwood's uh, desk wow. in his house. Yeah. That never got out. You know who told me that? No. Mike Mooney from the Modesto B. Mike Mooney told me that. Right. And he was one of the writers writing about, you know, possible other suspects when... Oh, yeah. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah, Mike. Mike had it. Re- Mike was real close. You know, I mean, it's close to like Ron Cloward down there and such, uh, who's on the case. But um, Mike Mooney is very close with the Stanislaus um, Lawson, the Dusty PD. But um, yeah, they, the hotel key, motel key is on um, Larry Utley's um, desk in his room when they when they make the arrest. And, you know, I mean, really. So, do you think that the front desk was somehow involved in just like putting the girls up in a very vulnerable position? And that's how they—that's how this was pulled off. It's like a full inside job. Yeah, totally full inside. Just, just because of that. I mean, the Carrington suspected that. Um, you know, early on, I didn't get—I didn't look for a lot of uh, um, involvement with anybody that had a badge or else because I knew it would screw me up or whatever. It wouldn't be best for the case. Mm-hmm. So stuff I got from the Carringtons, and usually that net was one of them, and I got that from some other witnesses later, and it just made sense. And. Um, um, and they had, you know, it's just one of those areas, like I said, uh, which I, 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 I'll digress, is Billy Doe Strange, all those guys, you know what, there's two places to eat in the whole area, whether they're going to get coffee or beer or whatever. You know, they're going to know, Stan's going to know them all, they all know each other, the front desk people know each other, they all live in that area. And, and you know, it's, it's the recipe, it's still a total recipe. Right. It's very true. There are, there are kind of like small little locals who have our network. In those areas, uh, particularly outside sure. Yosemite, where El Portal is and stuff like that, they see each other all the time. And those oh, guys are good. Oh, 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 I mean, sheep. I lived in yeah, I lived in sheep ranch for on and off for a year or two. I loved it, you know. But all of a sudden, the crank came in and got heavy in there, like a lot of places. They cleaned it up a little bit, but you know, those little areas, it gets concentrated. There's nothing to do, you know. Right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, this Doctor Wong who uh, disappeared out of Bear Valley? In July 9th, two thousand. You know, I, I, I was yes, absolutely. I would say this is what 
the key that gave, told me Candler was a hitman, okay? Not everybody else telling me or him living in a town that the mob recruited from. What it is is that um, Dr. Wong, uh, February... Um, 19th, February 19th, 2000? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm making my notes here. February 19th is a uh, scheme with her husband and, and two kids up in Mount Reba, Bear Valley, Alpine County, which borders uh, eastern Calaveras County. And um, beautiful day. I mean, it was sunny, the whole thing. And um, Dr. Wong was an uh, OBGYN, and her husband uh, is a doctor. He's a dentist. So they have money and everything. So they're skiing, and all of a sudden they can't find Mrs. Wong. So he goes down to you know, ski patrol and such. They put a rescue thing out. They search, search, can't find uh, Mrs. Wong. It's, it's getting dark. Well, this is interesting. The first thing is, is the other... Mr. Dr. Wong takes the kids and goes back to Milpitas. Doesn't even hang around in a motel room. His wife's missing. Right. Uh-huh. Okay, kind of, okay. She's not that kind of guy, I don't think. So what happens is, um, searching whatever happens. Well, the day after, the day after we apprehend Candler in Alabama, gee, Mrs. Wong's body's found in Mount Reba. Okay? This is packed. The paper came out the next day. And I went, holy smokes, wow. Candler and his girlfriend, Barbara Dobbins, lived in Arnold, Arnold 30 miles from Mount Eva. Wow. One way. Um, the maps I did in the book, kind of start looking at it, and, you know, dri- driving from Mariposa up, uh, up to Lombard, I mean, that's just two hours. You know, driving from Arnold to Bear Valley, so what I think is Mr. Wong put a hit on his wife for the insurance. As a matter of fact, the insurance company, and I didn't check, but when I talked to the deputy, which I'll get into, they were trying to hunt the deputy out who was the uh, corner of the case up there because they didn't, they didn't want to pay out. They believed that was a homicide. Right, so they so, thought it was a homicide, but what was suspicious is they didn't find her body for like three or four yeah. months, right? So where's her body? And it's almost like some of these other cases. And I was interesting, at the end of your book, you ran into the Chandra Levy parents, and it's almost like the same thing, because I was in D.C. when Chandra Levy disappeared, and she was yeah. in Fort Creek Park or whatever it was. Uh, uh, yeah. And it was it was, it was cooked, it was was looked over with, like, a fine-tuned comb. Oh, I know. You know what? She, she was moved after everybody left the scene. Right. So moved, she wasn't there. there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they brought the whole academy out there. They brought, you know, 500 guys. And, you know, uh, it, it, I mean, you can only bury some of us in maple leaves, but... Well, the thing was is that with Dr. Wong, she, she disappears a few days after the girls, and uh, I arrest Candler, and the next day, see, Candler gave the FBI that body. That's what happened. He murdered her. So when he says, I'll give you a body, let me off this other shit. Excuse my language, I'm sorry. Uh, let me off this other stuff. Paul Candler is the one who killed Dr. Wong. It was a hit by the husband. Interesting. So here's how, and this is how I know this. So I have little Jimmy Murphy's in between all these things going on, and this guy walked in one day. He was an Alpine County deputy, and he was the coroner. Uh, and it was his um, uh, case when the bodies disappeared, or disappeared, Mrs. Dr. Wong. So he's over at Minden's shop with his wife. He gets a page to go up there. They found, they found remains up on the, on the south, north, north, south, west, northwest south slope, or whatever, a, a, a walking distance from the loft, literally. They found uh, skeletal remains identified positively as Dr. Wong. He told me in the secret meeting, he, he wouldn't even give me his name, literally, okay, that um, he, was, he was a former LASO, San Diego County Sheriff. 
he seemed he seen homicides, Bill. You know, right. he said that there was two marks across the uh, uh, lower skull where the vertebrae was. It was it was cut. He said it, was, it wasn't shoot by animal. There was two marks there as a saw. And he said that the way the bones were and everything, he said there was a, a bed, like a wooden bed and leaf kind of thing, like almost like a little comfort zone that was prepared. Uh, so it was, it was, it was, they were waiting. So and, they were just um, waiting to dump the body there to make it look like an accident. Right. Here's your mo. The head was cut off. Okay. Right. Same thing. And Chandler lived there, and that's what, that's what put me right on it. I mean, yeah. But it was also, there yeah. was another element that was like a, a theme in your investigation is all these people were trying to save face too, right? So they're firing people, and they're always, there always seems to be a concern by the authorities about looking good in any of these circumstances. Oh, when I, when I saw Sen- Senator Grassley out of Iowa came out when this was going on, and it, it was going to be like the Whitewater with the FBI or something, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so what happened is... Um, um, Senator Grassley said that this was the worst bungle since Ruby Ridge in Waco wow. by the FBI, these so many cases now. And so he was calling for an oversight committee to get involved because he was our, our lead, he was our ranking member for the intelligence back then. <laughs> so um, he was looking at the FBI, they was already probing him anyway on this other stuff, and then they got rid of Maddox. They had 50, I couldn't believe the number, I, I double checked, 50 FBI agents coming to Sacramento to relieve James Maddox, who was who was being groomed as our Western Hemisphere director, he was he would have been director sooner or later probably. So they take him. He, he gets sent to South Dakota. Wow! And about another twelve or so lead agents get sent spread out everywhere else. And then uh, that's Nick like Fox being sent. Over. That's the equivalent of being sent to Siberia. <laughs> I know. Oh. I, yeah, it's it is. And um, I mean Sacramento. I mean it's you know great office. I mean he did a good job on the church church bombings. You know he's a good agent, but, you know, they came in there, but the thing was they made a mistake, you know, they said we got nine guys in custody, you can see it on the internet, James Maddox was there, next thing you know, we, you know, we don't know what to do, and they get named Stainer, you know, that's what happened, and then I was involved in between the two of that, wiggling, wiggling through all this, figuring what I'm going to do on it, you know, as I was getting a lot of information they didn't have, I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, I never talked to Nick Rossi until Dykes was called in on Stainer, on the Stainer case. And he, he called me the night before and asked me for a report because of uh, Dykes coming in. You know, he picked the fifth, but, you know, they started to want to see what I had at that time. They never talked to me in two years. Right. Uh-huh. Before to God. Isn't that something? Yeah, no, but it's not, I mean, I've seen so many of these other cases, it's just not that surprising that they're kind of doing, they were kind of trying to do their own investigation on their own without you. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't a cop anymore. I mean, I was just, I mean, I was technically even a private investigator in a lot of ways, except for my partner, Rick James, um, who helped me on a lot of it. He was licensed. But um, I was, you know, a citizen just doing our thing. You know, and the Carringtons never paid me a dime. I'd never ask them for anything. I, you know, I, I just saw this as, a, you know, I could help. I mean, there's nobody who could do this except me because of my previous experience with their person. So, you know, I was like, you know, believe it or not, I'm not saying it was it wasn't easy. I mean, it was, it was a little stressful. It wasn't that hard to follow the lead, Bill. Um, these people, you know, I, I, you know, they all have mothers and sisters. I don't care. You know, just because you take drugs doesn't, doesn't mean you're the worst guy in the world. But um, you know, they still have you know souls. So I got a lot of help. Just you know, basically just saying, hey man, you know, these guys are the worst. They'll kill your parents or whatever. 
and you know, and people actually, I mean, it helped. I didn't go in there busting chops, you know. And wasn't there like some, I mean, we did talked about this offline about there was kind of a, a, in this environment at the time, there was a huge drug trafficking thing going down, uh, transporting drugs, at least through Mariposa or some of these smaller airports. Is that right? Yeah, that was a lot. That would have a lot to do with Chandler. Probably some a lot of his business. You know, I could never tie, I didn't try to tie Chandler and, you know, all sorts of stuff. It just, you know, it just did it, you know, this thing with the bail and jump and such. Um, but yeah, they're all tied into one way or other. But um, with, with Mariposa, um, they were they were known investigations that and they have flight flight pictures and plans of them coming in with uh, cocaine uh, into the airport. Then so the cocaine went into Yosemite Park and distributed from you know Los Angeles to San Francisco. And you know this started up back even when the Contras and the, and the guns were going on right. and um, Barry Seal. So it goes all and it went all the way up to when I was doing it because of things that happened I was involved with up there that um, told firsthand when I was doing bounties from, from people in jail that Mariposa County is, is, is the sheriff everybody's dealing drugs and 2020 went in there and did an investigation with Tom Gerald interesting know? right yeah. yeah and wasn't the, but the drugs wasn't it wasn't there a testimony or statement that one of the girls when she was seen alive after they went missing that she was seen drugged Julie, Julie, um, Julie, Julie was held for um, a, a month, and what they did was um, she was, you know, blonde and what have you, and um, that's what they wanted, and she was held. They figured, I, I, I have her placed in Dykes, I'm sorry, Larwick's garage, and I can could probably confirm it. And it was, I didn't even confirm it after the book was before the book was written because I didn't hear about it till later. She was held as a sex slave. Some of the notes I mentioned earlier talk about a video being made uh, where she was drugged up and gang raped. Um, and it, that's the kind of things I was getting. And, you know, it's it, it connected to a 1% group. Hell's Angels, they have nothing to do with this, I guarantee that. And there's no lead to that. But a rogue 1% group, bikers uh, were involved. But she was held as a sex slave and, and you know, displayed, they were saying. I mean, I, the word displayed on the really, I'll, I'll send the notes to you later displayed as, as, as an object. I mean, it just makes me sick. Wow, that's you know? so terrifying. It's, it's terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I, 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 Julie, I mean, it's a sad story, but hers, you know, I mean... You know, Standard didn't do it, just, you know, he, the, the letter he sent to the FBI and all that kind of stuff, we had fun with her. He, 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 he you know, it's plural. It wasn't I, you know? Right, plural, right. Yeah. Plural pronoun. And then, um... So Candler went to the to jail in 2000, supposedly for 17 years. Where is he? Where are some of these characters now? Larwick's, Larwick's still in state prison. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you where mm -hmm. exactly. Um, you know, high Desert, maybe, maybe Pelican Bay, maybe High um, Susanville. Uh, Half-brother Dykes, he's still in. I'm not sure. I, I think Quentin. Um, Paul Candler, he was... He was uh, parole uh, about two and a half years ago, and the Wilfieville, which is in Calvinus County, which is interesting, like I said, the same little town as Ing and Leonard Lake. Um, uh, the other guys, I'm not sure. Um, you know, you know, some are probably dead. I mean, what drugs they do. Gotcha. Well, Steve, we are at 40 minutes. Is there anything that you'd like to add? Anything that I might have missed? Any contact information or anything you want to share? Oh, if uh, people want to read the book, 
That'd be great. When it's available um, on Amazon, correct? Yeah, Ultimate Prey, the, the true story behind the Yosemite Sightseer murders, and um, I think you'll enjoy it, and I'd love to hear request, request responses. I answer everything, and we're also getting toward production. It looks like for a short miniseries, possibly, okay. uh, on Netflix. Awesome. Well, I hope that works out. It's a great book. I finished cool. it this morning, and uh, oh, you like it? You yeah, like it? yeah, had an electricity to it. I mean, I really, oh, cool. I thought your style yeah. was really good. Yeah, so. Oh, thanks, brother. I'd highly recommend hey, well, thanks it. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Thank it. you so much. I appreciate it so much. Again, the book title is Ultimate Prey: The Stu- True Story Behind the Yosemite Sightseer Murders by Stephen Sanseri, spelled S-A-N-S-E-R-I. Available on Amazon. Stephen Sanseri, thank you very much. Oh, S-A-N-Z-E-R-I. S-A-N-C-E-R-I. Z-E-R-I. Z-E-R-I, sorry. There you go. Sorry, my mistake. Sanzeri, I apologize. All right, all right, Steve, have a great day. Take care, bye-bye.